0: Hi, welcome to the podcast. In this session, we will cover magnesium sulfate for fetal neuroprotection. Cerebral palsy, or CP, is a group of non-progressive disorders of movement with or without cognitive impairment. It's a potentially devastating complication of preterm birth. Rates of CP are inversely proportional to gestational age at delivery, with up to 15% of babies born before 27 weeks of gestation being affected. In contrast, rates of CP are just 0.1% for infants born at term. Studies have identified maternal administration of magnesium sulfate Prior to delivery as an effective strategy in reducing the incidence of cerebral palsy. The exact mechanism by which magnesium sulfate exerts a protective role in the prevention of neuronal injury in the fetal brain has not been fully elucidated. However, there is evidence for various effects of magnesium sulfate, some or all of which likely play a role in the neuroprotective effect observed. Magnesium ions are involved in the maintenance of cell membrane integrity and also various intracellular processes including glycolysis, oxidative phosphorylation, and protein synthesis. There is also evidence that magnesium sulfate decreases the production of pro-inflammatory cytokines and free radicals produced during hypoxic ischemic reperfusion and also prevents calcium-induced injury. Now, this is due to inhibition of the N-methyl-D-aspartate receptor to glutamate This leads to reduced calcium entry into cells. Beneficial hemodynamic effects of magnesium sulfate have also been postulated with potential increased cerebral perfusion and a stabilizing effect on neonatal blood pressure variability being reported. The first reported association between in utero exposure to mag sulfate and a reduction in perinatal morbidity was by Cuban and colleagues back in 1992. They conducted a prospective study of 449 babies delivered at birth weights less than 1500 grams and found that maternal receipt of magnesium sulfate was associated with a decreased incidence of intraventricular hemorrhage. One of the best-known historic trials of magsulfate for neuroprotection was by Crowther et al. in 2003. This was published as a multi RCT performed at 16 tertiary hospitals in Australia and New Zealand with a time period between 1996 and 2000. Recruitment criteria were women less than 30 weeks gestation in whom delivery was planned or anticipated within 24 hours. They were randomized to receive magnesium sulfate as a 4-gram load over 20 minutes, followed by an infusion of 1 gram per hour or placebo. The infusion was continued for 24 hours or until delivery, whichever came first the primary outcome in the Crowther trial were total pediatric mortality up to two years of age, cerebral palsy at two years of age, or the combined outcome of death or cerebral palsy at age two. When we come back, we're going to review the findings of this historical trial. Results of the Crowther trial from 2003 – remember, that was a randomized controlled trial between MAG and NO-MAG for neuroprotection – 1,255 live infants were recruited to the study outcome. Data at two years was obtained on 99% of the children. When the primary outcome measures were compared between the two groups, there were lower rates of death, cerebral palsy, and the combination of death or cerebral palsy among infants exposed to magnesium sulfate. However, none of these differences achieved statistical significance. At around the same time, the National Institute for Child Health and Human Development was carrying out the largest RCT to date to measure the effects of magnesium sulfate in the prevention of CP. That was done between 1997 and 2004 and was called the BEAM trial that stood for the beneficial effects of antepartum magnesium sulfate. This was done at 20 centers in the United States. Women with planned or anticipated delivery within 24 hours at gestational ages of up to 31 weeks were eligible for recruitment. Women were excluded if delivery was anticipated within two hours. The regimen of magnesium sulfate used was 6-gram loading dose infused over 20-30 to minutes followed by 2-grams-per-hour maintenance. The cohort was randomized to receive this regimen or placebo, and this was continued for up to 12 hours. The primary outcome of the BEAM trial was a composite outcome of stillbirth or death by one year of age or moderate or severe cerebral palsy beyond two years of age. Of the over 2,000 women recruited to the study, complete outcome data was available on 96% of the babies. Now, although no significant difference was found between the two groups in the primary outcome of death or cerebral palsy, children exposed to magsulfate had significantly lower rates of moderate to severe CP at age 2. To help clarify all this data, the Cochrane issued a review of this information. In 2009, a Cochrane review was published with combined results of three RCTs. Also included in the Cochrane meta analysis were the results of small RCTs by Mittendorf, which had been published in 2002, and a secondary analysis of another trial called the Magpie trial. This evaluated the use of magnesium sulfate in the prevention of preeclampsia. Now, what the Cochrane Review found was quite interesting. The Cochrane Review concluded that antenatal administration of max sulfate with neuroprotective intent to women at risk of preterm delivery did reduce the risk of death or cerebral palsy cerebral palsy alone, and substantial gross mother dysfunction. It did not suggest any effect of magnesium sulfate on fetal or infant death, however. Again, the Cochrane Review did show that there was a neuroprotective effect and reduced the risk of death or CP, CP alone, and reduced the rate of substantial gross motor dysfunction. All right, now that we know that the data does support magnesium sulfate use for reduced rates of cerebral palsy, who are the eligible patients? What does ACOG say? Well, administration of magnesium sulfate should be considered for all patients with anticipated preterm delivery less than 32 weeks and zero days, especially when delivery is deemed anticipated within the subsequent 12 hours. According to the data, the presumed mechanism of action of magsulfate in the prevention of fetal neuronal injury is contingent on adequate fetal levels of magsulfate at the time of delivery. Studies evaluating placental transfer of mag sulfate in animals have shown that within two hours of a substantial maternal infusion of magsulfate, it crosses the fetal blood-brain barrier, with concentrations increased in the fetal forebrain after four hours of sustained treatment. Now, ACOG and the Society of Maternal-Fetal Medicine do recognize that further research is necessary to determine the optimum timing of administration of antipartum sulfate for fetal neuroprotection. However, the current evidence suggests that benefit may be seen quickly after administration, with evidence of... For increased fetal levels three to four hours after commencing mag sulfate in cases of planned preterm delivery, one should aim to commence magsulfate about four hours prior to timed delivery. If not possible to achieve a four-hour window prior to delivery, mag sulfate should still be administered as it is likely that some benefit will be seen when administered within this time. Well, what about the patient who receives magsulfate for anticipated preterm birth, but then stalls and then goes into preterm labor again two, three, or four days later? Is magnesium sulfate to be restarted if they are less than 32 weeks? Well, here's what the consensus statement states. There is no available evidence at this time to guide management regarding repeat doses of magsulfate in those patients that do not deliver and have magsulfate discontinued it is reasonable to consider giving a repeat dose in the event of eminent preterm delivery if 24 hours have elapsed since discontinuing the original magnesium sulfate infusion if, of course, the patient still is under 32 weeks gestation. All right, as we wrap up the podcast, a couple of quick words of caution with magnesium sulfate. Remember that an absolute contraindication to IV mag sulfate is maternal myasthenia gravis also a non-reassuring fetal heart rate tracing, especially a class 3. In these cases, delivery should not be delayed just to facilitate administration of mag sulfate because the patient is under 32 weeks. However, it is reasonable to consider administration of a bolus loading dose of mag sulfate in these situations. If you can get some mag in before delivery, of course, it's advisable if possible. People, you have just listened to my dad's podcast. That is my assistant and my little daughter, Lexi. We have just covered magnesium sulfate for fetal neuroprotection. Thanks for being part of our podcast family. We'll see you next time.